0: Hi, I'm Melissa Lamson and you're listening to the Culture Matters podcast with Chris Smith.
1: Build your cultural confidence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hello, good afternoon, or good evening,
2: or good morning as well. My name is Chris Smith, and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 140. If you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, you could do that, of course. You can do so in Stitcher, in iTunes, and in Spotify. Today's guest is Melissa Lamson. Melissa Lamson, CEO of Lamson Consulting, who works with successful leaders to refine their professional skills and create inclusive workplaces. She knows that when leaders present the best version of themselves, individuals, teams, and the organization wins. Melissa works side by side with a global list of C-level executives. Throughout her career, she has helped build strong leadership cultures, developed managers and leadership learning programs from the ground up, and acquired first-hand knowledge of several leading industries, including the latest advancements in artificial intelligence we talk a lot about diversity and of course when you talk about diversity you also have to talk about inclusion
1: and that's what we're going to talk about
2: let's get right to the interview
1: it's time for this week's guest at culture matters
2: hey melissa good morning or good afternoon or, or good evening even. um, i know you're it, it probably is earlier where you are um, thank you for having you on the on the show here it's uh, it's enjoyable already and uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself where you come from uh, where are you now and what is your so-called cultural frame of reference
0: sure uh thanks for having me i appreciate it Um, i'm based in phoenix at the moment um it's a beautiful morning here uh at around 8 a.m i guess Mm -hmm. and uh i am have bounced around the world quite a lot so i've i'm I'm originally from the U.S., but I've lived in other countries, and uh, in particular, I spent 10 years in, based in Europe. Um, my cultural frame of reference, I guess, then would be that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a us but uh, have had a lot of international experiences, which I'm very grateful for.
2: Okay, great. Excellent. Um, so just uh, recording dates is uh, April 29, 2020. Uh, just asking, how are you doing under the circumstances of what's going on in the world co- called
0: Corona? Yes. Well, I have sort of two minds around it. Of course, I'm, I'm very sad for the state of the world. I, I feel very uh, sorry for all the loss. Um, it's, a, it's a horrible situation. Um, I feel then also very lucky that personally, my, me, myself, my family, my circle of friends has not been directly affected. Mm -hmm. Um, and we are very grateful that, um, there's still a lot of work and there's still a lot going on and a lot of movement forward. And, and many of the folks I'm speaking with and interacting with are very positive about, uh, getting through this Mm -hmm. and, and um, continuing on in, in positive ways. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So n- nothing we can do really much about other than, uh, well, stay away and stay at home, I guess. No.
0: Well, that's right. It's an amazing exercise in taking things one day at a time because yeah. they're just changing. And, and on the one hand, it's interesting to plan and to have goals and to think about the future, but then to also say, well, I can't control it at all. So we really have to only stay in the present, which mm-hmm. is a really interesting interesting exercise
2: yeah yeah indeed and all around the world it's interesting indeed that uh, i've got friends in singapore and then in, the, in europe and in latin america and i'm talking to you in the u.s is that it's it's really weird to realize that i guess for the first time in 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 human history maybe we're doing the same everybody's doing the same which is actually nothing or at least not a lot yes That's true yes. um you said you're from the united states which part originally are you from
0: uh, the East Coast, East Coast, so, Massachusetts.
2: Uh-huh. okay, the New England part. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you spent ten years in uh, in Europe. And which parts did you? Or what brought you there? And and which countries did you did you live in?
0: Yes. Well, I was invited to go on a motorcycle ride with a European friend oh. uh, across the U.S. And uh, after that motorcycle ride, he said, "You know." I think you would really enjoy living in Germany, you should check it out. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, okay, Mm -hmm. I had lived, I'd lived in France, and I'd spent time in Spain and Mexico and so forth. And so I uh, was not totally traveling wasn't completely or living outside the country wasn't completely new to me. But I hadn't ever spent any time in Germany. I didn't speak German, but I thought, Mm -hmm. why not? Why not try it out? Yeah.
2: And and you, you stuck around then?
0: I did I ended up being there a long
2: time <laughs> exactly right. ten years is not nothing um, right being being an American and, and coming to Europe uh, the, from the new world to the old world what what was the biggest change for you the thing that that jumped out
0: well when I first moved to Germany it was it was funny because I remember a story I, I woke up literally the first morning and I um was used to getting up really early and going out for coffee. Mm-hmm. So. I got, I think it was like six and I got up and I I went out the front door looking around like, oh, I'm sure I'll just be able to grab a coffee somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. To go. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was absolutely no coffee to go (laughs) except for (laughs) gas stations periodically. But those that were on the highway, you know, not in the downtown of Berlin. And so um, I walked around and it was completely empty and no one was out and about. And I was totally confused. And finally, a couple of my I was sitting in front of my uh, flat at the time and a couple of neighbors came by and they were actually just coming back from nightclubs (laughs) and they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just looking for coffee. It's morning. And they're like, first of all, nothing opens until around nine o'clock. Second of all, it's bloody early. What are you doing out here? Um, and so I, that was kind of an interesting experience of, oh, okay, Europeans maybe sleep in a little bit and we go to a proper place and we sit down and we have a proper cup of coffee. Of course, it's completely changed now. Mm -hmm. Um, so many years later, I mean, they have a Starbucks on almost every corner and, uh, they're packed and these probably still don't start quite as early as 6am, but certainly by eight or nine, you can get a coffee to go.
2: Yeah, that's true. At that moment, was there a realization, um, with you? That you thought, well, what am I doing here? I mean, or um, I was going to use the word superiority, superiority feeling. That's not the right word I want to use. But do you think? Did you did you think that maybe we in Europe were like backward at that time?
0: I I wouldn't say backward because I had enough international experience and and also being uh, had a recent. Uh, Studier of intercultural communication, mm-hmm. I I knew better than to judge it as really bad or good, mm-hmm. um, or less or more. But I certainly was kind of curious, like, oh wow, I'm I'm really I this I'm really going to have to adjust. There are things I'm going into this situation in Germany um, unconsciously incompetent. <laughs> and yeah. I really don't know. Um, and so that, that was just my first literal wake-up call to kind of just say, oh, okay, it, it's not going to be similar and there's going to be lots of yeah. little things that will be different. Um, and I kind of knew that intellectually, but I, didn't, uh, but I didn't realize how many things, how many small things would be different. And then it was also interesting to find out what was the same, uh, which I thought was also fascinating. Yeah. Um, but so yeah.
2: What, 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 what is or was the same?
0: Well, that uh, people valued um, deep friendships. Mm-hmm. That it was important. Relationships were important in order to do business. Uh, they were built a bit differently, and more. Um, there were certainly cultural cultural differences there in mm-hmm. terms of how you built relationships, but or, or establish credibility with others. But still, it was important to have uh, solid relationships and that rec- you know, business came through recommendations. Um, and there was a lot of hard, you know, hard, kind of hard work and drive and ambition and mm-hmm. all of that was sort of similar in terms of attitude, uh, at least as I, as I had experienced it in the U S and, and so that made it kind of, if you will, easy to work there because it was kind of my work style. As well, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there? I mean, the, the, there are a couple of st- every culture has their stereotypes, right? I mean, about the Dutch, my, being myself, uh, we're stingy, uh, we're orange, we eat tulips and all that good stuff. We wear wooden shoes or clogs. <laughs> I've
1: never heard of any of those.
2: No, that's well, like... the stingy you must have heard. Come on, that's that. That, that is worldwide, <laughs> which is actually not wrong. Not it's actually wrong because the the Dutch are not stingy. They're economical. Um, which <laughs> right. is a total different dimension um, and about the Americans it's uh, uh, the stereotypes that I tend to get back from from the people that I talk to is um, uh, big fat number one loud as well did any of these stereotypes work against you being being an American in European countries
0: um that's a good question I'm trying to remember back well, I think the loud part, of <laughs> I mean, I, I, I tend to be a little bit louder when I speak, which is good when I present on stage or in sure. front of a group, but I did notice that I had to get much quieter because uh, sometimes I'll go back now and I'll find myself being the loudest person talking in a restaurant or a cafe and then I'll <laughs> I'll have to remember, oh yes, this is bring your European self, Melissa, back to the situation and I'll quiet down a bit. Um, but it's usually because, I mean, in my defense, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, usually because speaking of loud, there's some loud background noise. Can you hear that? No. Okay, good. Um, the, uh, I, in my defense, we do have a lot of loud music and louder environments in the U S so I think Mm -hmm. we're used to talking over all of that and it's just not quite so loud. In fact, it's interesting you said that, um, one of the things I've missed dramatically, uh, being in. Uh, this time of COVID is that, um, and being in quarantine is that I remember that on beautiful evenings in Europe, you could, you'd be on your balcony or you'd open your windows and you would hear kind of this soft murmur of talking Mm -hmm. where everyone's sitting on their balconies, they're drinking wine, they're eating something and they're talking with their friends or their family. Yeah. And we just hear this nice soft murmur. And it was so reassuring um, to just hear that. And I could imagine that that's been helpful for a lot of my European friends and colleagues now, uh, mm-hmm. because it just gives you this sense of community. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I, and I, I just, the other day I had that and I, I was remarking how, when we open our windows and we're listening outside, we don't have that. You might hear the occasional. Um, you know, loud noise or even at like a yelp or a bit of a not a scream in a in a scary way, but just sort of like a I'm watching something on TV and it made me laugh really right. loud. Or made yeah. me, but you don't hear this nice this this conversation that can carry on for hours and hours at a at a nice soft kind of level yeah. <laughs> volume. Yeah, that makes, so yeah, that makes anyway, sense. it was yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah, that makes good sense. What what uh, if I can ask the question? What made you go back?
0: To the U.S.? Yeah. Oh, love. Um, oh, okay. I fell in love with my husband, who was American, and uh, we had a long-distance relationship. Actually, it was interesting. Skype had just come out, Ooh. and so we were able to call and talk to each other uh, over Skype, and that right. was great because, obviously, it saved us quite a lot of money.
2: Yeah, yeah I can imagine, You yeah. <laughs> We could
0: also see each other, which was fun. Um, and for a couple of years and then really made the decision to come back and I worked all over the world and I spent a lot of time in the U S as well. So it wasn't really a big leap for me Mm -hmm. business wise. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had started two companies in Germany when I was there and I sold one of them and then, uh, kind of moved my, uh, global leadership practice back to the U S if you will. Mm
2: okay is there any of of the countries you mentioned a few countries in europe that you have been um germany france spain any of those countries that you particularly like more than the other or you felt more at home
0: oh yes i mean if i had my choice Uh i would live probably in the south of france um it's just amazingly wonderful there um Italy is fabulous too. I really enjoy my time there. I guess it's hard to pick one, but there are parts of many. Um, I had never been to, embarrassingly, this is so embarrassing to say, um, I had never been to Copenhagen the whole time I lived in Europe. And then I had a project there when I had, after I had moved back here and I spent some time there and it was glorious. And I thought, oh my gosh, how can I get an apartment here and live here like part time? It was so great. Um, so I think there's just so many parts of Europe that I could easily live in and I wouldn't mind living back there again someday So because it, then you can easily travel anywhere within Europe mm-hmm. uh, to spend time because um, people don't realize this. But once you get over there, you can actually do it quite economically. Um, it's just getting from the U.S. to there. That's really the expensive part. Yeah, true, true, true.
2: Yeah, no good point. And, and well, certain countries are more expensive than other countries, but nonetheless, it's I mean, it's to that extent comparable um which which actually leads me to a a segue to something that you mentioned earlier um about uh, things being different for instance we talked about germany but also similarity uh if i if i take that to culture in general uh mm. talking about cultural differences is there what do you think in your opinion where should the focus be on on the stuff that we have in common or the stuff that that uh that is that we that well that is different that we differ in
0: yeah, I think that's a very interesting question. Um, and I am actually love that you asked that question, because I do think, and this may be a little bit um, controversial, but I actually think that if, if let's say, if you're a leader in an organization, mm-hmm. you most likely have some moniker of emotional intelligence and ability to relate to other human beings. <laughs> let's, let's <Hopefully>. presume <laughs> that that's Politically case. correct, yes. <laughs> So if that's the case, you will find common ground and similarities with people easily and quickly where I think it really becomes complicated is when all of a sudden you realize there's a dramatic difference in the way that we see, see something Mm -hmm. in terms of making a decision or proceeding ahead with with a project, um, deciding whether something's ready to deliver or not. Um, All of that, I think, so I actually do think that if you're an experienced leader, and you have a a certain amount of interpersonal skills, that you should really look and mind for what is different.
2: Hmm. Okay, that that makes good sense. I'm asked the asked the question because I get uh, asked this question quite often as well. Um, And my opinion is, is, is indeed that focusing on the differences is by far more important than focusing on the similarities. Because in general, we take the similarities for granted. I mean, the fact that you and I are communicating, communicating in English, you being native, me not. Uh, but we take for granted that we do understand each other. And um, I compare it with if you have like 10 pairs of shoes and of one pair, actually the left shoe always hurts. You will always feel that hurt. While the left, the, the right shoe, you just don't realize that you're wearing shoes. Um that's right. And, and this actually dramatically came came in into reality in the in 1999 when then my employer the airline KLM the, the Royal Dutch Airlines um tried to marry Alitalia and what their program was actually focused on so focusing on the similarities and that marriage ended drastically in a very expensive bill for uh, for the Royal Dutch Airlines. So yes, that's that's, that's at least what uh what I think um, is it, you mentioned this skill as well. Uh, what is what is the most important skill or what should or most important skills? I guess someone um, should should be as a, as a global leader or if you work in an international company.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because a lot of people have asked me and they probably ask you this, too, as an interculturalist. Mm-hmm. Won't your jobs be no longer needed. Right. Because as the world goes global, everyone's going to be sort of a mishmash of culture and, and they'll all sort of understand how to work together and we'll have much more contact with each other. And so will it really be necessary? And I think actually our jobs are going to be needed more than ever, because as things get more and more automated, Mm -hmm. two things are happening. One, people are obviously it's, it's less, their, their skill base is not as technical and tactical, right. Um, as uh, ne- that's not needed as much anymore. Um, and then also they, as things get more automated, we're getting less, um, it's less, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for. We aren't interacting in, in sort of the face to face, general social skills manner, just the types of etiquette and manners that we used to use, right. Right. Or that you and I were probably brought up with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're maybe getting a little bit less interactive and social and also we're not needed to, to work, um, with technology quite as much. And once that happens, Mm -hmm. We basically will have people who maybe aren't as great at social interaction and who are less needed in terms of the technical piece because that will be automated. And so I think what we're going to need is to kind of have a resurgence of interaction, interpersonal skills, social skills, the ability to really dial into another person's um, needs and preferences and styles. And so that, whether that's cultural or individual or just basic manners, mm-hmm. um, I think all of that is going to become even more necessary.
2: Okay. Okay. Good point. Good answer. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it leads me to the, to the second question, which we talked about briefly before hitting record. Uh, and it's something that it just, it puzzles me and it baffles me at times that there are so many international companies, or so people in companies and leaders included as well, that simply brush over these cultural differences. And it's like, you know, we have two ears, two eyes, one nose and one mouth. We're all the same. We do business with people and culture uh, becomes secondary. What is your take on that? Why do people do this?
0: Yeah, I think it makes it, I think it makes it even more difficult because I guess I've never been one to leave the power dynamic out of the intercultural topic as well. So I I I've always tried to merge diversity and inclusion with intercultural communication and because I think that's critically important. And what I mean by that is, I think there are a lot of individuals and countries who are craving um, a sense of, they want to seat at the table, they want to feel as though they're equal and on par with other superpowers or or other dominant economies. And so the individuals in those societies will do everything they can to adapt, whether it's adapting their accents, adapting their their style of dress, their religions, their eating habits, everything to be accepted and to be part of the world economy, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so when you have all that adaptation taking place, it also makes it difficult as a leader to say, well, wait, I'm trying to be sensitive and understanding about your cultural differences, but it seems like you're like me. I mean, because they are (laughs) to Mm -hmm. a certain extent, Mm -hmm. but I still think that when you get under pressure and when you're, or or I know, and you know as well, uh, when we're under pressure and we're feeling stressed, we can revert back to what's kind of most natural for us and Mm -hmm. what we have been uh, trained or groomed and how to how to respond, and so that's when things get really tricky. It's harder to adapt then. Um, so I guess it's a very philosophical or long way to say. Um, in summary, that um, I think I think from this side of the perspective of I don't really know that there's a lot of cultural difference. And then what I do actually experience and see is that people are adapting to me or to the quote unquote business norm. Mm-hmm. So therefore I, um, so therefore it must not really be that different or that or important.
2: important. Yeah.
0: Right. And I guess the interesting thing would be is if we mine for that, I keep using that expression. If we, if we dug into or leaned into, Hey, what would it be like if someone could bring their authentic self mm-hmm. and what and really helped us understand new markets or their market or their communities or what it would mean to do business in those communities, what kinds of opportunities could we really create? I think that's one thing. And then another interesting point is just how some companies and they, some are doing it really well and uh, they create this company culture, which is, which sort of supersedes national culture um, and they promote that globally and people buy into that. And it, it's. I'm not saying it doesn't work well. It does. It's sort of a question of what might be the opportunity to get talent that they that they don't already have, or or to open up those talent pools to other folks if they were a little bit more decentralized from the cultural perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's-
2: when you when you Melissa when you bump into that in, 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 uh, into people that are. Let's call it deny. They're denying that there are cultural differences, uh, or or just shrugging their shoulders. And saying, ah, it's not so bad. How do, do you do? You go against that? Do you try to convince them? And if you do, how do you do that?
0: Oh, when I bump, like if I have executives or clients that say to me, um, "This isn't that important."
2: Or indeed, if you point out, listen, but you also need to think about cultural differences, and then it's like, nah, that's okay. Yeah. You know, we've been doing, doing been, been doing business for a year for ten years, and nothing ever goes wrong, which I think is a lie. Now, this is between air quotes here. Uh, how do you how do you tackle it? how do you deal with that?
0: Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's like a constant struggle, right? Mm-hmm. I will. I sort of meet them where they are, and I think, especially. Um, in the US, it's been interesting to come back here and find that the intercultural topic, the global topic is really hasn't been that interesting or important for many of many of the companies that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I think it's even becoming more interesting. But anyway, we, we don't have time to go into all that <laughs> in terms of just our global position now in the world. But um, the. um the. Uh, so when I do confront that, I usually try to approach it from, well, let's talk about individual differences, because most people get that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. And we're very interested, particularly in this market of, you know, knowing, you know, what's my individual personality. So to that point, I guess when you're working with a highly individualistic culture, right. Who, like the oh, U.S. Yes. Yes who believes everybody is unique and individual, then you're, you're more, i I find that it's more useful to talk about it from individual differences and then try to help them see, well, then well, let's think about that from a collective standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, you know, it's usually a conversation of a series of, of examples, um, thinking about having them agree on the work style and the individual differences first, and then say, well, could you imagine what it would be like in terms of Culture. I mean, if we ask everybody in this room, do you agree that, um, a handshake, a firm handshake means that you're, uh, you know, you're a confident, you know, solid professional Mm -hmm. and everybody goes, yes. Well, could you imagine that if I asked a group of people from another country that they would say, oh gosh, we don't handshake. That's weird. Um, and they, yeah, I can imagine that. So we do have a collective, you know, preference. yeah, And so you just sort of have to break it down for people, obviously. Um, And I think more and more and more people do see it. And that becomes interesting um, once you can get there. Even in the United States. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's so weird, right? Because and I, I would say this was a big difference that I saw being in Europe. I felt like people didn't necessarily see the diversity in their own backyard, so to sure. speak in own country, but they really feel it, you know, crossing borders um, with different languages and different places and different societies and different cultures and different food and all of that. Mm-hmm. So you're obviously very aware of it in Europe um, on that level, but there was like a lot of kind of, but we're all sort of German or we're all Dutch or we're all French, mm-hmm. you know, at mm-hmm. home. And I think what's interesting is that in the U S we don't necessarily cross borders that often, but there's so much diversity internally um, that it's just a really, it's just an interesting difference or dynamic.
2: Yeah, oh, that's true, that's true. But for me, I mean, being a non-American, for me, an American is an American, uh, and 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 it's it's. I don't see the the intra-cultural differences, so to speak. Um,
0: you don't see the intra. In in the U.S., you mean?
2: No, I find it. Uh, what I do here, but that's uh, the difference in accent in between North and South. But mm-hmm. for me, a New Yorker is 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 as much as an American uh, as somebody from San Francisco, for instance. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I don't see that. And, uh, although internally I, I, I can see in my country, I can see some differences. But then again, I'm also biased, of course. I mean, having done right. this for, for the last 20 years. Um, I want to, uh, if that's okay, talk about your book, The New Global Manager. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you're talking about there? And, um, I'll, and I was thinking about this, the title, The New Global Manager. So how did, how did the old global manager look like?
0: <laughs> right. Well, my contention with the book is that we are all working globally, even if we're not working internationally. So I did try to gear the book towards an American audience, particularly, although I think you know anyone will find value in it. Mm-hmm. But it was to basically say that even if we're not traveling abroad – we're working in a global context because we have so many people who have relocated here uh, to the U.S. We have so many U.S.ers relocating outside of the U.S. Um, and people are just moving around from every country, and we ha- we are confronting global mindsets everywhere. And so, whether that's virtual or face to face or traveling or not traveling, I think we need to have that sensitivity to what does it mean to manage globally. Um, and not, so it's not just manager skills, which I do present, you know, what I would call tried and tested manager skills that I teach it at some of the leading companies in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so Facebook uses the program, LinkedIn uses the program, SpaceX uses the programs, SAP, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, these manager skills are in the book, but then I also put the spin on them around, well, okay, great, we have these, but how do we do this to be really advanced in terms of the way we work across cultures? Um, and so I present, a, a 4d culture model, which mm-hmm. talks about, you know, four dimensions of culture that I believe are causing or believe not only believe, but have seen for the last 20 years, causing quite a lot of chaos, mm-hmm. um, in, in interaction in companies. And then also I present a model called, or, which is observe, ask questions and react um, so it's basically just a, a, a little framework to help people pause before they react to situations. Because I see that that fast-paced um, reaction, right, and that and that that drive to move forward and to move quickly isn't always serving us well, particularly in a in an international or complex mm-hmm. virtual environment. True. And so, to be able to stop and ask questions can be helpful.
2: You you talk about four dimensions. Can you mention those? Is that, that, that will we understand that?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Well, um, indirect versus direct co- communication. So what does yes mean? What does no mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then I also talk about time and the uh, dimensions of time. So are, is time more fluid? Is it more flexible? Is time more rigid? What is a schedule? What is a deadline? Can it be moved? Should it be? What Will it, will it cause uh, ca- chaos? Will it cause mistrust? So how do we look at time management? Time management's particularly interesting today in this time of, of homeschooling and homeworking and so forth, because mm-hmm. as everyone's at home, what I'm hearing more and more is that people are just working crazy hours and they can't really separate, uh, you know, work it from life and they're not used to, to creating these boundaries. Um, which actually sort of surprised me because I, because, and I guess this is one of my blind spots is because I work from home when I am home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I've found a good way of balancing that, but not, not that many people, uh, I guess not everyone has obviously. So it's interesting. And then, um, the other dimension is thought patterns. So am I more process oriented or more results oriented in terms of how I might approach a project? So how much planning do I need before I can start and how can I, should I uh, start and then just sort of make it up as I go along? Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last piece is hierarchy, uh, which I call social distance. In terms of um, how, how, what is my relationship to the authority, and who I presume is is in the authority, and can I disagree or argue with that? Um, what's my role? Do I take direction or do I challenge, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Yeah, makes makes sense. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Social distancing meant meant in the sense of hierarchy and not in the in the context of of uh, of corona, of correct? <laughs> of COVID. <laughs> correct. Yeah. It's, correct. A diff- it's a bit different. Where, um, if people are interested in this book, where can they find this?
0: It's on Amazon, and I have a, a Kindle version, a uh, paperback, so mm. pretty much all forms. Okay. Yeah.
2: Excellent. Great. Um, yes. I'm I'm going towards the, uh, the the my last two questions. And that is, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent, please?
0: Sure. Um, Do some Googling. I mean, there's lots of information out there on the Internet. If you are interested in learning more about um, specifically the theory of cultural differences and what are some of those uh, practices, there's lots of information out there. You don't need an expensive Tool to to learn all of that. Mm -hmm. um, These days, Uh, certainly, my book is pretty inexpensive. That'll share information. I'm I'm, there's lots of other books out there too on the topic. Um, So just read up on it. I think. Then, uh, second of all, Mm -hmm. don't shy away from having conversations with folks in your company or in your team to try to understand. And and I think especially political correctness, we start to get a little bit hesitant about leaning into those members of communities that we really do want to help and understand and be more inclusive of, but we also don't want to step on toes or feel as though we're singling them out. But I think it's perfectly, once you've established some relationship um, with them, I think it's perfectly natural to ask some open questions, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so, so tell me, Chris, I mean, what would be the best approach if I'm trying to acquire clients in (laughs) the Netherlands, right? I think you know, you would be, you could give me some ideas on that. um, And and
2: people love to talk about themselves in any case.
0: That's right. So just be curious and ask questions. And then I think um, anything that will help you just develop more emotional uh, competence and, um, and, and intelligence, whether it's an assessment or a tool to really uh, look at who you are and what your preferences are, and then to, to understand how that may interact with others Will certainly help you. I use a tool called um, Insights, which I really love. And that's about individual personality, but it's much more nuanced. So it doesn't sort of put you in one category, it shows you h- what your preferences are, but then how you can lean into other um, methods and styles of communication. And I personally love that one for looking at yourself as an individual. Um, and I also uh, am, a, am certified on the Global Mindset Inventory, which I also really like because it really looks at us as a global citizen not necessarily as an individual culture or as a member of just a specific culture but also what are my global leadership skills and abilities okay. so both of those are pretty interesting assessments but there's obviously many out there
2: okay that's cool i'll put those um, i'll put those on the website as well with links where where you can find that and if people want to find you how can they do that
0: super yeah lamson consulting so my last name l-a-m-s-o-n consulting.com uh, melissa at com. and also i do uh i have a pretty big network on linkedin very happy to connect on linkedin um, i vet all of my contacts there so be really be happy to 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 connect there and share share resources and uh it would be a pleasure all right
2: fantastic all right, all right. well great nice talk uh, nice and 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 um, uh, I was saying jumpy, no, no, but but like nicely paced as well. I liked it a lot. Good.
0: Oh, thanks, Chris. My Excellent. pleasure. Have to right. Do it any. Anyway.
2: Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, well, I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future.
0: Sounds great. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you.
2: Melissa, thank you again for sharing the information. I hope you got some value out of this information, you as an audience. If you haven't subscribed to my podcast, you can do so in Stitcher, in Spotify, and in iTunes. And while you're at iTunes, might as well leave a review. That would be really nice. Thank you so much. All right, the music you hear in the background is from Bandsound. Check them out
1: at Bandsound.com. I am Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters
2: podcast, and I'll be back in
1: two weeks' time. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.